Episode three is with Edie. Edie and I met three years ago when I was new in sobriety, when I was living out in Los Angeles. Um, she was three years sober. I was brand new to being sober. We weren't, you know, we, we met at meetings and we became friends. I actually never heard her story. We always just, I knew her being sober. So anything that she ever talked about was new stuff that was happening in sobriety at the time. So this is my first chance to actually sit down and hear a story. But I was very excited about, um, we both are East coast people, you know, she's New York and I'm from New Jersey and it was, um, cool to have that bond in LA and now we're both back on the East coast. So, and we like a lot of the same, you know, things in pop culture with comedians and TV shows and podcasts. So we actually talked for over an hour and a half, almost two hours, but I <laughs> took a lot of stuff out that wasn't really needed for this. Um, but I really enjoy, you'll enjoy the conversation. It's really fun. Um, we both go all over the place. So just bear with us. You know, we, we both like are very passionate about, you know, having a life that's different than what we had before. And that definitely shows in, you know, this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, also keep in mind this, we are sponsored by BetterHelp. That is a new thing with BetterHelp. They are therapists that are on FaceTime. They really blew up during COVID. Um, people couldn't get out to see their therapists and miss some meetings. So they made it available through the app and it's been a great tool for a lot of people to get help right away and not have to wait forever. Sometimes you have to wait three months to get a first appointment with a new therapist. So this has been a great tool. You get 10% off your first month by signing up. You go to the link in our bio. It says better help 10%. Click that. It'll take you right to it. So yeah, enjoy this episode. Comedy store. Cause I follow right. them. I used to, that was, I went there sober, but like all oh, the I time, yeah. like, you know, just to see shows, you know, and For somebody sure. else, you know, was my two drink minimum. He had my drinks and I, oh, yeah. sober. I just had a soda and they, oh, I yeah. didn't even think of that. I did, yeah. but I went to I, AA I there. Oh yeah. They have meetings there. Every Saturday at noon, I was allowed to go there. My like house That's... manager and sober living, we would go together. And I'll never forget, right. uh, we were standing outside on a, you know, before we were going and smoking a cigarette and up walks this dude up the driveway, up the side, he's wearing like painter shorts that are shorter than anything, a raggedy old t-shirt and a raggedy old hat. So, you know who I'm talking about already, I think. And it sure as shit, it was Paulie yeah. Shore. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, hey, hey, on a Saturday, how'd you let it get that bad? And then just kept oh my God. I'm like, what a fucking asshole. That's so <laughs> funny. No, he, I'm sure has his own, uh. His own stuff. Well, that's what's funny about him is, uh, like, did you watch the Comedy Store documentary on Showtime that came out? So good. I watched it a few times. And, like, he even, like, he's like, yeah, being around that club actually saved me from, like, doing all that stuff because I saw Kennison. Yeah. They were doing it. Like, he was a kid. Yeah. Can you imagine being a kid growing up with Sam Kennison as, like, your babysitter? Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) Like the stories I've heard. No, but about. I'm sure that probably really like if you, it's it's a, in front of you, like you know, growing up, you either gravitate towards it or you want nothing to do with it. Yeah. Or you know, you find your different vices and. Because I I'm I don't know much about your story because like I came my parents are still together happy family yeah. well, you know that what the what yeah. everyone American dream and for brothers and sisters but like I was the oldest and. 
I got hard into it like early. Like I started right. drinking at 11, 21, the pills got introduced because the alcohol wow. stopped working. You know, yeah. so like it wasn't like anything. It was more like I was looking for more because, yeah. you know, I was the oldest and I was looking for, to escape. And I, I told somebody the other day, like I was 11 when I started drinking. And just because we were watching The Outsiders, we thought we were cool to like drink like the greasers. You know what oh I mean? Oh, my God. Yeah. And um, so sixth grade rolls around and our, the first person I knew died in my life. You know, he got wow. hit by a car. It was a friend of ours. Okay, nothing to do with. Nothing to do with anything. Alcohol. It was just a yeah. freak accident. And then, but the problem was when I was 12, I had already learned at 11 that when you drink, you can forget things. Oh, wow. So it was a learned behavior as a solution to a problem in adolescence that I taught myself that, hey, when things go bad, you should drink about it and you'll feel better. Right. So by the time I'm 21, then I'm not drinking anymore because I'm using pills every day. That was my new solution to every yeah. single problem that arised for the next decade. Until that didn't work, yeah. 31, almost 32 when we met, because we wow. met when um, at 26 and broad. Yeah. When, because that's the only time I ever saw you. I, I think I saw you at, did you ever Letter? go anywhere else besides 26 and broad? Like, I went to other meetings, but maybe just not on the west side. Okay, because I used to go to which McCall a lot. Um, the late night. Um, I'm blanking on the names. Marina. Yeah, I used to go to Marina Center a lot. Uh, yeah, I didn't go there. In my earlier, like in my first year, I went there like with my house. Um, did, but that where, was like. So, I was tell in me, transcend. Where did, where did you? Did you, how, did you, did you start? Yeah. Do you want to start? Yeah, this is, yeah I'm going to include a lot of it. I don't. It's fine. Oh yeah, yeah. if you're yeah, I don't care. No, I didn't yeah, know if you pressed yeah. record. Oh, no, I, I, yeah, I did. It says stop. Perfect. Here, so we're good. Okay, cool. And plus, um, I got my camera here for me. So, like, I'm going to intercut later. Like, I'm just learning how to edit, really. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I have no idea how to do this. And it's kind of cool that you could do I'm, this. I don't. I'm figuring it out as I go. Like, I'm pulling okay. my hair. I'm pulling my hair out every no, night. My wife's like, can you work. take a break for the night and try again in the morning <laughs> when you're feeling better? Because you look really frustrated. I'm That's like, so yeah. It's great that you're married. I feel like when I met you, were you even, were you married? I was very single. My, I was still mourning the death of my fiance that committed oh my suicide. God. That was six years ago yesterday, actually. Was wow, I'm and sorry. You, you probably even heard me speak about about her a lot because when I got newly sober, it was around the time that I had to learn how to grieve for the first yeah. time. Yeah. And it was for just coming up to my best friend's anniversary of his death and then her anniversary three weeks later. That's a like, lot to deal with. Yeah, life. I'm it's lucky a short I met period of time. Jules. Yeah, I was gonna say. Like she every time I'm like, hey, can you give me a tattoo for this person? She's like, Yep, come on over. And, like, I ended up, I got to L.A. with one tattoo and came home with 16. Wow. And um, she has given me six since then because she's visited me twice in PA. She's visited me at my parents' house in Hershey. And she gave me four tattoos that day in my parents' garage after she did her muck bunnies. in Hershey? So you go there all the time? Hershey Park? I used to live in Hershey. I I lived in Hershey when I got sober. My apartment smelled <laughs> like Reese's. The Reese's factory was across the street from my apartment, and it was the That's best. That's so ever, cool. But so dangerous because you get home from Sounds work like and you walk yeah. up your steps and you go, uh, got to go to CVS. And you get back Sounds in like your a dream. Car. Honestly, like, we used to go there with school. Like, that was, I guess, the closest um, theme park. And so fun. I'm jealous that you guys live there. But um, I could hear the concerts 
you know, from my. I went. To, I drove to a concert there once. Which I one? Like, I saw Bruce Springsteen there in 2016. No, not Bruce Springsteen. Um, who's the other one that's even older? Oh my God! Oh my God! Why bon Jovi? Beatles? No, Paul oh, McCartney. Okay. Paul McCartney. I um, I went to like a Jay Z concert. Jay-Z, Justin Timberlake. And you're from New York. How disrespectful to Jay-Z to leave New York to see him in her I know. I'm trying to think, like, what I'm, you know, ever since I got sober, like, I really, I don't know if it's my brain that's, like, doing it intentionally, but I just don't remember things. I'll, like, just forget. Like, maybe it was, like, it's hiding in a spot that, like, I it was, like, too traumatic that it shouldn't even be coming out right now. But there's certain things, whether it's even, like, trauma or anything like I just don't remember I'm lucky if I remember what I had for breakfast and like sometimes it's really annoying and sometimes it's um I don't know I guess it's good it's like well, it's maybe also, I shouldn't have remembered it's completely normal though too yeah you know we we in one of our meetings is straight trauma bonding like wow. we have like you know that's daily, very Whitney well, yeah. Whitney it's very Whitney <laughs> yes. coming to you yes Yes, I love her podcast is so good. We could talk for hours about how good her podcast is, especially yeah, the Mark, especially it. the Mark Norman episode with Giannis Papas. That was four and a half hour epic. Honestly, when I listen to that kind of stuff, because I don't listen to music anymore, really. Like when I'm oh. walking, when I, I need conversations, I need yeah. to feel like I'm in, I'm part of something. Yep. And that's kind of like an AA meeting where you could sit there and just listen and it's like you could relate and you nod your head and it's like yeah okay and let's be real you yell at Bert a lot we all yell at Bert a lot (laughs) like Bert like no you're wrong (laughs) I feel like every time I listen he's not he's like filming so like I haven't really even heard him in a while oh you know you know what I mean he his back he he's so good though about backlogging that no but he's filming his movie now so like his he's back he's back home oh he's back okay I haven't he was I was crying the other day watching him cry. He was on his like Instagram stories like he always does, and he was thanking everybody, and he was just straight bawling. And then I was getting oh emotional God. for Bert, just knowing like how much it really. I I always that podcast is probably the sorry for cutting you off, but the, I that's probably my like. I listen to it. I'm subscribed, but it's not my first one to go to. You, you know what I mean? Go-to? You know, I don't think you even watch him yet. Is Ryan Sickler Honeydew? That's my go-to every week, every Tuesday. I can't heard wait. of him. He is. I'm best gonna put it. Okay. He's okay. Best yeah. Oh, I've heard him on their podcast. Okay. Yeah, his podcast is called The Honeydew, and it's all about highlighting the lowlights. And he talks to uh, no other comedians, but also he has a Patreon show where he talks to regular people too that email right. him and say, "Hey, let me tell my story." And he's a great listener. Oh. But he's also yeah. from Larry. He's from Baltimore. Right. So he's got like our northeastern attitude. Yeah. Of, like, you know, I'm just trying to make you laugh. And I'm going to bust balls and it's going to be funny. And it's going to be mean, but laugh. And yeah. he's very, very funny. I think you'll really, really enjoy him. He just had Nikki okay. on. Nikki Glazer was on two weeks so ago. Whitney. Very good one. Whitney just had her. And I, I just was listening it's a brand to that. New one. Yeah. I just saw I'm it. Very, I'm very up to date with that. <laughs> Two Bears is also my go to every Monday. I love Two Bears, One Cave. It was my introduction to podcasts. I didn't ever watch them. Never. When I was in LA, I wish I liked podcasts, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I think it was the pandemic because I, I don't know what happened. Maybe when the pandemic started, I'm like, let me go on YouTube. I don't know. If what I've listened to, maybe it was, it was probably Joe Rogan. I probably was the first thing I was like really listening to. 
and maybe Santino. Yeah, I love that. That's what happened during the pandemic. There was probably like 15 episodes out already. Yeah. That, oh, it's like, okay, let me binge it. And then I just watch it and like every Monday, like hilarious. I'm like, I'm part of it now. Like, I'm a bad so friend. Funny. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That is, you know, I, I watched them early Little on Dicky together. Show. I got, okay. yeah. So you know, I, when, when Two Bears came out, it was two summers ago, like two Junes ago. And because I remember I was just starting to date my wife. We met on Tinder. And, you know, nice. we just, it worked out, you know, yeah. and um, That's how you meet we hit it off right away. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it is. Like, other than that, you're not going to try to meet somebody at a meeting. You know what I mean? You're not trying to get 13 yeah. steps. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless, unless they have, like, a couple of years and it's not creepy or whatever. And you could, you know, your friends, it, whatever. You know but... them, you know, you know, know them, maybe, you know what I mean? But, like. Yeah. How, Especially how if you're is... a girl. Like, it feels. Did you watch it, that documentary? Which one? Can't... 13 step there's a documentary on what where do i watch all, it um tubi we downloaded it to watch it because we, okay, we I never wanted even to know heard of 13th like i never knew that this was a documentary it's all about women that had been either abused or killed from people that had like 20 plus years of sobriety oh my God, I, of course i'm gonna watch it yeah um okay. just Thank you, you know that. just do an apple search and it'll yeah. take it to the app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I've heard of that app. I totally know. I'm up with all the apps. It's okay. worth it watch because you know, and you're watching this, and you're going to be like, oh, my God, I know that guy. I know that guy. I know all of those guys because that's For what sure. I was doing, and you've been in the program longer than me. Like, you've been yeah, you just six years. Yeah, I think even just being a girl in a room where you're, like, vulnerable, and it could, you know, some people are there for the right reason some people are just like you know not really getting it yet and it just could be really scary when something you know creepy happens or you feel like you just let your whole story out and it just you're being taken advantage of like yeah I totally could relate and it's scary I mean I'm sure for guys too maybe there's some guys that you know have been there especially in the the LGBTQ community especially ones that are you know either they're gay or they're, any, yeah. you know what I mean? Trans yeah. Especially. Any, like any person could have um, the same experiences. I'm just from my experience. Like I totally hear that. I totally get it. Like nothing has been ter- like nothing crazy happened, but I've definitely had like, you know, creepy experiences where I'm like, okay, I get the fuck away from me. Yeah. We're like, no, you said you needed my number because you were going to contact me about doing big book study, but you're just like, hit me up. They want to go to dinner and get a shake. Like, no, like, I've had No, I've now that it's coming back to me. Like I've had really, you know, especially like older guys or older men that like have more time than you. And they think even now, like personally, like in my business life right now, um, I'm a real estate agent. And like, just if they have more you know, experienced than you, or they're older, or they're a guy, they just think that they could tell you, like, you know, um, just talk to you in a certain way that's like, this is really inappropriate. And it's not nice. And like, you're freaking me out. So I, I do just, have to yeah. ask you and I'll, and I'll even cut this out. Um, okay. But what? What's his name? Sam? What was his name at 26? Sandy? Sandy. Sandy. He was, I remember there was one point that you didn't come to a meeting for like a month and you were, and it was, it would have been around your three years. It would have been right right around your three year, between three and four years, you stopped coming for like a month. And he was really like upset about it. Like talking about like, I wish my ED was, and then you came back and then you came back and he was 
very happy. And then you flat out said that I remember because I was early in sobriety. So like, please tell me, taking, I don't remember. Yeah, I was taking in a lot at the time. Um, yeah. And I remember you were like, you not that you wanted to drink. It's just that you needed a break from being around the everyday. There's people every day. Like you needed like to be with your dogs and like your roommate and you didn't yeah. you didn't want to be in the rooms for a little bit because I don't know if an incident happened and like you just felt uneasy about going or uncomfortable. But you were gone I, for like a month. I, I kind of like, wish I remember. Do you remember like around what time of the year it was? Like what month? Yeah, June, July. Because we would have. We, we oh, because I would have been three. Yeah. Yeah. It was like July. It was like all I left L.A. at July 28th or August 3rd around there. And I had seen you again before I left because obviously we talked. So it was it was in between mid-June, mid-July, probably, I'm guessing, because I definitely saw you for a little bit before I left. And I didn't start going to 26 and broad until May because I got there April 25th and I had to wait a week before I could even go there. Right. I I wish I remembered what um like what the incident was or even like if it was anyone or if it was just like my Could just my own hat. Yeah. Or I, mean, I yeah. haven't been to an or AA meeting home, in two years. Like I wonder if I was like on a vacation even and I just wasn't around. That could have been you know, it. like I, I wonder remember- I know you because I, I don't remember, remember like I remember being your a, birthday. I was there for your third birthday because your mom was I there, remember. I think. Oh, okay. It was that time. Okay. Yeah, whatever yeah. year your mom came out for your birthday. Yeah. Not your birthday birthday, but your sober yeah, birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. it was my birthday birthday too. She was there for. Oh, that's right. It's like five days was, later. Okay. Then that's why I knew that it so was I, like I saw Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if I just wasn't around because I was just busy with other things. Yeah, like because it's I twelve mean, o'clock in the afternoon on you know every day, like. Yeah, and unless like you're me now, where you run a meeting center, like it's very hard to do that kind of meeting if you. Yeah, know, if it's you have like a job. I, if I had yeah, so maybe it was like good that it wasn't there every day. Mm-hmm. But I usually was, but you know. So wait, probably better. what was? You- I have always known you're sober and sober mind. So I don't know anything about like your drug yeah. choice, when you started, what happened, you know, where were you at and right. what happened? I know where you're at now a lot. And right. we'll get even get back to that because we could talk, you know, <laughs> and listen about hours, that. Because yeah. you're actually the first person I've also talked to that I know in sobriety. No way. Yeah, because just... the, the first two interviews I did were people that came to the meeting center that just wanted to tell their story. Okay, so cool. the first time I got to know them was based on yeah. our podcast, which is pretty cool because yeah. we end up getting lost in conversation. You forget the microphone's even in front of you. Even like we yeah, do. Yeah, that's, like, that's even, what kind of happens. You digress. That's what's really yeah. cool about even doing it is like you kind of forget that it's even there, especially if you can get along with the person. The conversation keeps going a really like a lot easier. Yeah, um, totally. So when did you – what did you start with? I was probably – 14 when I first started drink. I first started drinking and I think that you know if I could remember I wish I like had like a diary or just I was like into writing and just like wrote everything of my life like just down on paper so I just remembered everything because like now I could just be telling you my story right now and every every time I tell my story or every year like something's come up or something's I take away like everything kind of changes 
but I'm pretty sure I started like around 14. It was ninth grade. And I probably was drinking like here and there um, at like family, like I'm, I'm Jewish and my family's like Orthodox. So like Friday nights, they have like a Shabbat dinner and Saturday day, there's like a Shabbat lunch. Um, they're not like extremely religious, but like, you know, we would the, the tradition. Yeah. And we would do like traditional, like lunch dinner. Also like it's good food. Like it's not a big deal. Wait, <laughs> but, were you um, in that house? Were you in that house in LA that um, had Shabbat on Friday nights? I can't think of the name of it. It's over. Um, what is it? Eight to Shuva. Yes. Shuva. Yeah. I wasn't there. I didn't go okay. there. I think that's a rehab and I think it, maybe they have rehab and sober living. So it, I went to is. rehab in Arizona. And then uh, I just went to, I went to transcend. We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Yeah. I, I I just, I got, sidetracked. I've been there before. I did go there once for um, like a service and I was like, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I probably like had a few like sips of alcohol here and there. Um, but you know, growing up, I've always been like super anxious and super probably depressed without knowing what depression even was like, you know, every few months kind of feeling low or, you know, uncomfortable in my skin. And my parents got divorced when I was three and I have um, an older brother, three years older, and I have a sister that's a year younger than me. So like having a sister a year younger than you while you're still in diapers, while your parents are getting divorced, like you're kind of, you know, a little bit neglected, not really paid attention to and, you know, I do think that factors into like, um, 100%. your, you know, your alcoholism, your depression, your just like all your isms, you know, just your, your whole self. Um, cause that's just kind of, you know, three years old, that's what you're, you're seeing fighting, your, you're seeing it's yelling, your brain seeing, developing. It's that's yeah. what you're developing. That's what you're learning is the norm. Right. And like my coping mechanism was always like kind of detach and kind of, um, disassociate and, you know run away from the issues. And, you know, at 14, I guess going into high school, I went to like a Jewish private school. So like we were a little bit slower than, you know, like the average kid or um, high, public schools were always like doing things where we're like, what? You know, if you told me you started drinking at 11, I w- I'd be like, wait, I was like, I don't even, I was like this gross, like a nerd, like probably like peeing in my pants. So, like, I don't even know what 11 seems like a baby to me maturity wise you're saying we were faster in public school like oh totally i I get what you're saying now i thought you were like making a joke about we were slower like learning slower i'm like no no i wouldn't say that i took a big bus not a small bus (laughs) no i would agree with that a hundred percent about we were way faster in public school when it came to everything everything i had a friend that switched from my school to public school in seventh grade and she like opened my eyes to like everything. So in ninth grade, um, it was New Year's and my friend was having a party and her house was kind of like the party house. Like, you know, her parents are super wealthy. She had a huge estate and like her brother was a year older than us. And it was just like a mix of um, grades having a party together. So my friend who went to public school came over and we would, I guess, pregame. And my parents were on vacation. So I had my grandmother watching me. And like, it's funny when you, you don't see, like you think that the other person is not realizing what you're doing or like, you don't know, especially when you first start drinking, like you have no idea, like how you're not being discreet. There's no, 
you're pretty obvious about what the hell you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, I thought my grandmother like had no idea of what was going on, but like she clearly saw, you know, so me and my friend were just going through going in my mom's freezer and just taking her alcohol and just like chugging it. And it was like, I was wasted. Like, I don't think there was ever a time where I was just like buzzed or coasting. Like I was always blackout always. Like I never knew my tolerance. I didn't care. I thought like if I didn't feel it, cause I'm so like, I need to feel it right away or it's not hitting me. And I just need to take more and more and more. So if I didn't feel it, like in the, in like 20 minutes, I'm like, okay, we need to like, we need double to hurry up. this up. We need to double Heart, this up. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I'm drinking to get drunk. I am not trying to have, you know, conversation. Like I'm, fun. yeah, totally. <laughs> I think I just want to forget about all my problems, forget about life. Um, so that kind of just like started, you know, my drinking, my secrecy. Um, you know, like knowing it was kind of like, I was so shy and so uncomfortable in my own skin. And that always comes off to a different, another person as mean, um, you know, cold, not friendly. Like that was always my, that was always a way of people, you know, um, describing me it was just like a mean girl or whatever. And it was really like, I hate myself. I'm so uncomfortable. I don't want to talk to you because I'm being socially awkward. Like I, I can't, you know? Um, so that, you know, once I took a drink, it was like, Oh my God, I'm so silly. I could do whatever. It's so cute. You know? And it was like, wow, I've never like felt like I could just let go and be like loose and not care about what I say. And then, you know, the next day was always like that reminder of like, oh my God, do you know what you did? And it was like, oh fuck, like, let me hide again. Let me like, you know, take another drink or like, or like seclude myself and like not talk to anyone for like a week. And it would be like this like pattern of drinking a lot, blacking out, doing embarrassing things, hiding in my bed for like a week, you know, and then drinking again, because I didn't want to know what happened or I didn't want to hear what other people were saying. Yeah. And, you know, so I started to become not like a bad girl, but like, you know, where people's moms were like, uh, you know, questioning. It was, I, I think it was like a mix of, I wasn't such a great student where like I had friends that drank a lot and got away with a lot of shit, but they were in honors classes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that like, I wasn't, you know, such a bright girl was like, oh, she's like, you know, bad news. Um, and in ninth grade or like ninth, 10th grade, like I started dating a senior in high school, like my senior. And um, I guess it was this thing where like, you know, the maybe I didn't notice it, you know, maybe I wasn't like so, um, I wasn't being so nice to my friends or I just wasn't giving them the time of day. And like, to, you know, thinking about it, like maybe it was possible. I don't remember, but it's definitely possible that I wasn't being you know, the same self I was when I wasn't dating this person. But, you know, uh, my friends stopped talking to me out of nowhere, you know, and when I like, um, kind of brought it up or, you know, try to, you know, see what was going on. They were just like, we don't want to talk to you. We don't want anything to do with you. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, like, this is where the depression is really kicking in. This is like the start of like, my you know, clinical depression where I'm like, okay, I need to see someone or I'm not going to school for 
So I didn't go to school for like weeks on end because I was just getting bullied so much in school. Um, the free, like being, I guess being a kid now with all the social media was hard, but like back then is when it really like took off where like Facebook had these like anonymous boxes where you could, I don't even know if they would have that now because it's so mean, but you could write things, you know, to someone on Facebook and you'll never know who it is because it's like completely anonymous. And it was just like all those, I was getting such mean, like death threats, like all these things where I'm like, oh fuck, like I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to use so much more because I'm so, I hate myself so much. Um, so like high school years were like not great at all. Barely went to school. When I went to school, I wouldn't talk to anyone. I would like leave at lunch. I would go get high with my boyfriend. We would just like smoke a lot of pot. Um, I would go back to school and just like wait for the bell to, you know, just like wait for it to end. And then I would go back and we would smoke more pot and we would like have brown, we would have edible. Like it was just like during the week was just a lot of pot smoking weekends, a lot of drinking and like a lot of drinking where it was like, I just would pass out. Like there would be no, I wasn't doing anything fun. I just drank till I passed out. And that would only be like an hour. Um, and then, you know, like, I don't even know where to go from here. There was just like a lot of, um, a lot of geographics, a lot of moving, a lot of switching states, a lot of moving countries, like what a lot states? of. Um, Cause like I've lived in five in addiction. I moved around the five I, different states and 30 different moves. Wow. Yeah. I probably only <laughs> moved like five times. Um, I moved to Israel two different times. Okay. I well, moved you went on to distance. Arizona. Yeah, I did a long distance. I went to Arizona. Okay. Um, where else? I think it was just Israel and Arizona. Well, and California eventually, and too. Eventually. And then, yeah. like, back to New York. Like, it was just a lot of, like... So, Israel, that's a big thinking. move. Yeah. You I got went family there. there? No, but, like, in my community, you go... I mean, I, I didn't really have family. I, like second third cousins like not someone who I was and also I'm not really like so good at Hebrew even though like I could understand it a little bit and I've learned it my whole life having conversation in Hebrew is not I'm not the strongest at were you but, um, out there yeah so during my like senior year of high school I decided to do like an online course I didn't want to go back to school like it was getting that bad and I started to see a psychiatrist at that point and she put me on Lexapro, let's say, I think. And it was just like, this isn't what? I don't feel any difference. Like me not knowing and not caring that it takes at least like six to eight weeks to kick in. I'm like, I need something now. Like I need to feel this. So she put me on Klonopin. And I was just like, holy shit. You know, like this is what? Like, Where has I this just, been? Like, Why were you getting you know? hot? Yeah. <laughs> No, it was like a pill that you could just take and you're like walking down the street, like not giving two fucks, like listen, put your headphones in, like wa like walking down New York City, like I own the place or just like, you know, I'm not, you know, like I feel like at some points I felt even a little agoraphobic where I didn't even want to leave the house. And um, so during that time between the moves, like I, um, I would move, come back to New York, like in my community after high school, like a lot of the, there's, you take a gap year and people go to Israel for the year and they just, you know, they learn um, about Judaism or they do 
volunteer work. So I did a little bit of both. This whole time of me moving around, you know, all the stuff is like, I thought that I could just run away. I thought it was the place. Like I had no idea that it was just like, I had a problem. I thought, okay, New York is like not good for me. There are people here that are bad influence or like, I'm afraid to leave the house. Once I went to Israel, oh my God, like I hate my roommates. Like I hate, you know, come back, New York. Oh, this is horrible. Like I got to go to Arizona. Like I need to have that college experience. Go there, um, you know, become dependent on alcohol you know, dependent on my pills, being super secretive, staying in my room, like staying in my apartment all day, like not even making any friends, coming back home, um, you know, like need to be near family, near family, horrible decision. Everyone's like attacking each other, like bringing the addiction at like at high level, um, not really knowing that I'm an addict yet thinking that like, I just, you know, get sad sometimes not even knowing like what, you know, that I'm depressed. Um, so like all these different moves and eventually like I'm in New York and let's see, it's 2015 and there's probably like more things in there that I don't even like remember. And it's not even, the details are just like, so stupid, like yeah. everyone, there's you know, stories that um, equal up to the, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's the same pattern of like feeling sad, drinking, um, taking pills, mixing my pills and drinking. Uh, surprised that I woke up the next day, lost my wallet, left it in a cab. A uh, cab driver driver took me home one night. Don't even remember how I got home. Like peeing in the back of a cab. Like all this. Like how am I alive? Like the fact that I didn't, you know, and I'm sure, and I'm sure, and I know about certain like. Um, you know, sexual abuse. Like I, I know there are at least like two, but like, I'm sure there was like plenty more. I'm sure there was like, you know, a lot of things that there's a reason why I don't remember, or like I, that I shouldn't even remember. I shouldn't even be alive. Like I could have got kidnapped, like all this stuff, you know, and even burning my apartment down. There was, there was one time I remember that my roommates were at home. And when I, drink I get so hungry after and I usually just like make pasta it's always my go-to making pasta like once when I was younger I decided to make pasta and I was so drunk and so high and I was in a bathing suit it was like in the summer at night and I thought I was on like some cooking show and you know like let the hot water boil and for some reason I was just like mixing it around I'm wearing like a bathing suit with a tank top over and the water just like all fell on me I had third degree burns on my stomach and it was like three in the morning and I'm not gonna get like what am I gonna do and I'm doing all the wrong things I'm putting water on it you're putting ice you're not supposed to do that whatever my whole stomach was like salmon color it was like pink just you know when I was older in my um apartment it's like one of those things where the fire alarm was going on the day the day before it was going off and I was like oh my god so loud like shut this fucking thing off took it out the next day I go out drinking with someone, whatever my roommates are at home. I come home. I guess I made pasta, not realizing I wake up the next morning, smoke all over my apartment, but I took the smoke alarm out. I left the stove on high and I guess I must've made pasta and just like dusty ashes in the, in the pot. And it's like, holy fuck. I like, I have to, I have to hide the evidence, you know? And of course I get like caught that night from my roommates, like it stinks in here, you know? And I'm just yeah. like, Oh, I, you know, like something burnt in the oven, 
but like, holy shit, I could have died and I could have burned down the whole building. Like how selfish of me, you know, and like not even thinking, oh fuck, I have an issue. But, um, so the summer of 2015, I, you know, June always puts me in this weird funk. I don't know if it's like, I think, I really think now that I think about it, forget my birthdays in the summer and I just hate my birthday. I hate attention. It's like, I crave attention so much, but I also hate it. I don't know I, what this like, I, you know hide what I, mean? my, I hide my birthday on Facebook two days before my birthday every year so that I don't have my wall filled with a bunch of fake people saying happy birthday that don't actually know my birthday. For sure. But then I get offended if somebody didn't reach out, didn't like reach out to me. Like, what the fuck? I talk about my birthday so much. Like, how did they not know? You know, <laughs> it's, but it's like also it's like, don't right do on my wrist. It's my <laughs> wrist on my wrist. <laughs> I get it. It's like, I look at the clock me, and like, I see 929. Yeah. Every time I look at this, I never see the clock at 930. I always see it at 929. And I'm 630. Yeah. So you, you so, yeah. get it. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. It's like this like thing where it's like, I don't want attention, but I also like, I want the most attention, you know? And it's, I think it's because when I was younger, I never got attention where it's You're like, You're a fucking cat. I don't, you have dogs, but you're a fucking cat. <laughs> I know my screen name when I was younger used to be Cat Eyes eighty one because I have green eyes. But like, I feel like I I I'm so afraid of cats, like petrified. But I feel like I relate to cats so much. It's such a it's so weird. But um, <laughs> it's like oh, so when I think you know June and the beginning of summer always puts me in such like an uncomfortable. It it scares me so much because I feel like there's this expectation of you need to be going out and you need to be having fun and you need to be like having friends around and like celebrate your birthday yeah but even forget the birthday for you know like maybe if my birthday wasn't in june or in the summer it would be a little bit different but the whole thing of summer is like oh people have more time off and you're supposed to be having barbecues and having fun with people and celebrating and that was always hard for me it was always hard for me to like maintain relationships and you know want to have fun and and I'm always, my expectations are always so high. So even if I'm like having a good time, I'm like, oh, this could have been like so much more fun. Like we could have done so many crazier things. And like, we're being grandmas or being lame. You know, I can never be in the moment and be like, this is such a nice time. You know, like I'm always thinking, but this, we should be getting fucked up. Like we should be partying, you know, and I should be having, I should be going to parties or having more friends. And that just wasn't the case for me. And I feel like, you know, wintertime, it's like such an excuse to be inside and hide and like be watching TV all day. And I'm like, oh, that that's me, you know? Yeah, COVID was um, the best excuse to be in oh, all the time. Oh, I honestly, sorry, I, I can't loved, do it. Loved it. I, loved I had the best it. year. I mean, but I mean, unfortunately, we'll die, but people are going to die. I we had yeah. I got married during COVID. I worked from home. I would have loved that. Like yeah. we got married in our living room by our best friend. Um, I would have loved. That's my dream. Yeah, like she got ordained by the Church of Dudism because of the Big Lebowski. There's an actual legitimate church for it out in like Oregon. That's hilarious. And like Pennsylvania, they, my county said they would accept it as like, you oh, know, whatever. Oh, that's so funny. So we, we, okay. we wanted to make sure it was official. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so she was ordained. She came over Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. And yep, just so in the living room, we hung out with her Domino's cheapest wedding ever. Yeah, so <laughs> fine. So, like, I would just go to the courthouse, you know? Like, I feel like I should well, have gotten married in COVID just to have an excuse to have, like, a tiny wedding. It was, that was, yeah, we literally, we were going to get married New Year's Eve the year before. And then um, her ex was taking a little, they were doing a divorce. It took a little bit. Right. 
So yeah. by the they got their divorce like that in November, the following November, and we her lawyer is across the street from the courthouse, and we literally picked up the divorce papers and then walked across the street Went on the same that, yeah. meter, and parked That's in the same so meter, funny. And, and got our marriage. And just got yeah. married, yeah. Well, we got a certificate. Wow. We had to wait two days in Pennsylvania. You have to wait like two or three days or whatever before you do oh, it. Really? You can't. Yeah, it's not like, you know, Vegas, you can walk in and walk out married. Yeah, yeah, But, like, in New Jersey and in Pennsylvania, it's, like, a three-day wait. Well, I've never done it, so, like, I wouldn't even know. (laughs) I guess when it's my time, I'll find out. You know what New York is as well, and I know that because how I met your mother. Okay. I I wasn't such a fan of that show, but, you know. Yeah. But I hear that. I get get why people are. I just never got into it. TV can't lie. TV can't lie. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So you burned um, down your apartment. You finally get. Is this the first time you're getting called out for something? Like because you were so secretive. I was okay. So I was. I was a lot. Like no one was there. But um, it was kind of like a call out, I guess. Or like I, I thought I was so secretive. But I think that like my family knew something was up. You know, when you like you think you're hiding all the shit, and it's like, wait, we knew about this the whole time. Like, who are you kidding? Like, don't bullshit a bullshitter. And, um, so it was that June, I think June, 2015, I, um, my cousin got married, let's say the 23rd, 22nd or something. And I just felt, I knew something was happening inside of me where I just felt like alone, sad, like I can't verbalize it, you know, like I couldn't even. I didn't know because I also didn't know anyone that could relate. I never heard of other people saying like, I have these issues or I drink because of, you know, how I feel. And like, I'm not happy with myself. I feel like growing up, it was very like, everything was like swept under the rug or you don't really like say how you feel or, you know, like you're not allowed, like also being like a middle child and childless divorce. Like I had to just like put on this armor of like, I'm not going to let you see me cry. I'm not going to, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to like, you know, be, I'm going to take care of myself. Like no one's going to take care of me because everyone's always let me down, you know? So, um, I never really opened up about my issues because I just felt like no one would understand and I would be made fun of. And I feel like I've always been afraid of judgment and my family is still super judgy, but I'm just like, fuck it. I don't care. Um, so I, I forgot what day it was, maybe like the 23rd or the 24th. I, um, I was feeling really low and I was in my bed for a really long time. And I, I used to go into these like state, like these catatonic states where I like would not talk, would just like lay there and stare and not eat and just be in bed for days. And it was like, as if I was screaming inside and just like nobody could hear me. And I was just confused how like nobody could read my mind. I was like, I'm, it's so obvious. Like I need help. I'm so sad. I'm, you know, like I'm in bed with like a bottle of vodka and like, I just, uh, I, you know, and it wasn't getting, you know, I, I wasn't verbalizing. So nobody it wasn't getting through to anyone. And I, um, my mom came into my room and she was trying to talk to me and whatever. And I just wasn't answering. So she, she left and I, um, I texted her back you know, a few hours later. And I was like, I think I just need a hug. And she texted me like, I can't do this right now. Like I'm out to lunch. And it, it broke me. Like it killed me that like, I took all the pills that I had and I 
I took them, like I swallowed them and I went downstairs and I took a bottle of Jack Daniels and I just drank as much as I could. And it was a super hot day out. And I went to go, I went outside and I was like, I was so drunk and out of it and high and like, you know, swaying and like not even knowing, like I could just remember swaying, but not really remember all the details. Like I didn't even remember that my grandparents were in town. Like the last time I drank was with my grandmother. And the first time I drank was with my grandmother. Like now that I think about it, like I didn't, That's you know, funny. with her under <laughs> the same room. And, you know, I've, I've younger siblings. And at the time they were really young and my, you know, they were, they were in the house and they were watching it. And I like now thinking back, it's like how traumatic for them. Like I went through something so traumatic as, you know, a, a young kid. And like, I would never put that up and want wish that upon anyone else. Like it's horrible. Like it really messes with you and your, your um, developmental, you know, state. And um, I was just like doing the same thing that I never wanted to be done. And, you know, I, I guess my mom came home, I guess like everyone was home and trying to like calm me down. I went to go before that I went to go, like I was laying in the middle of the street and I live like on a one street is a one way. And the other street is pretty, it's pretty quiet, but it's such a big street that people like speed on it because it's, it's like, like there's no, street. yeah. And there's no, you know, no one's watching you. There's no like whatever. Stop and signs and red lights. Yeah, stops. There are, but no one gives a shit. Um, so I'm laying there, and I guess you know, God's grace, nobody ran me over, and I don't know how long I was there. I remember though, like hearing honking and hearing my brother, and you know, with my family, and I'm sure other families, and it's not their fault, but sometimes a way of like, you know, trying to get to someone, it's like, what are you doing? Are you stupid? When it's really like, come with me, with like, you know, um just be like more emotional, be more empathetic, like be more caring instead of like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? And my brother was just like, what the fuck are you doing? And that, you know, already being so like fucked up, I was just like, what, you know, like, what are you crazy? You know? And I guess I went inside. I saw my mom like flush my pills down the toilet, not even knowing that I had like other pills in my bathroom somewhere. Like I was so secretive that I didn't even know. I had no idea that I had other pills somewhere. You know, I had had no idea. Like to like years later, my mom like would go through my bathroom or go in my closet and see like bottles of wine and like pills of Adderall. And I was just like, I don't, I don't remember. Um, So I remember just like, I, I called the cops and I, this is where I think it was like, you know, God intervening or like whatever my higher power is. It's like, I picked up the phone and I called the cops and I was slurring my words. And I said, my mom is bothering me. And of course, any like 911 dispatcher would think, all right, this, this is crazy. This chick is crazy. Like we got to send someone over there. I'm like running around in like the shortest shorts, the lowest tank top, like super out of it, like not listening to anyone. Um, and in the end, they put me like in a stray jacket. They put me in, in a gurney. They put me, you know, brought me to the hospital. And I remember waking up like hours later and they're like, you need to, you need to pee or you need a rope hurting a catheter up you. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I had no idea. And, you know, I wake up like the next day, like it just like as a blur, I wake up like the next day and like two days later in like a hospital and in a psych ward. And I was just like, like, what is going on? Like, you know, like I knew what was going, like I knew how I got there, but I was just like, 
I'm not crazy. Like, I'm not crazy. Like in my head, I'm like, they think I'm crazy. And if you, I don't know if you've ever been to a psych ward, but if you make any sudden moves, if you act up, if you talk back, they will keep you there for as long as they can. And I just had to be like, you know, just like, you know, roll with it and just, you know, be the most sane person there because you legitimately like aren't as sick as these people or in my head, I didn't think, you know, and I think they might've brought up AA, but in my head, it was just had nothing to do with alcohol, nothing to do with me having an issue. I didn't know I had an issue. And, you know, like I was just trying to coast through, you know, didn't you know I just whatever I did what I had to do went to the art room or whatever like at night I was totally afraid to sleep there like I just thought someone would like you know whatever I was I made it through like a week and it's my very mom traumatic. my my first fiance yeah. she was in and out of psych wards and when she was diagnosed bipolar schizophrenic the first time she was in a psych ward um one of her roommates got in her head about shadow people and for the rest of her life, that was all that she ever looked out for. She used to wake me up middle of the night, accusing me of being part of them and record. Oh and it's all because of how traumatic of an experience she had with her first it's visit. Of the roommates, because they're in there's a they're a patient. That's why I kept saying, Kyle, yeah. a patient told you that. A doctor didn't tell you that. Another patient. That's what they see. And then but it was I think too it's late. It's scary when they put you with someone else. Like at first I was in a room alone and they're like, You're moving. And I was just like what do you mean I'm moving? And, you know, the girl that I was with seemed, you know, normal. And then once I got to know her, I'm like, wait, she's delusional. Like, this is horrifying. Like yeah. I would, she would circle the the hallways in the middle of the night. And I would like sleep with the blanket over my face. Cause I was terrified. You know, I was like, wait, what the, where am I? Like, can somebody, you know, come observe her, like watch her, you know, I was like scared for my life. And, um, I, you know, so eventually like the, it, it was on my 21st birthday where I got released, but only on, you know, condition, the condition was I had to go to this spa. My mom told me I was going to a spa and, you know, somebody was taking me there and I could get my hair done and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, by the way, I didn't bring any clothes to the psych ward because I didn't know that I was going, I had no underwear, I had no nothing. And when you, when somebody drops you off clothes, they have to put it in a freezer for like 48 hours before you get it. And, um, I, I get the clothes, I guess my mom dropped off clothes and she decided to bring me a pair of high waisted ripped jeans. And I was like, I mean, uh, at least a pair of underwear, like shorts, you know, pajamas. Where do you think I'm going? Sweats in a hoodie. Like, Sweats in a hoodie anything, and I'm good. Anything. Like, right? Like, I, I wore two, like, hospital robes, like, front to back, you know? Nothing. I know, I, like, it was not, and I was like, are you nuts? Um, so my mom they told me I was you going were. To uh, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm going to bring high, I'm not going to a club, I'm going to a hospital. Like, um, so I go to this, my mom doesn't come to the airport with me. I had no idea. My dad takes me. No money, no ID. This woman is like holding on to my ID. We go on the plane. I am being such an asshole to her. Like, I'm like, where the, like, what's going on? Did they get you a I, sober companion for the flight? Yes, but I had no idea what this was. I had yeah. no idea. I didn't know anyone sober. The only people I, I, I knew I wouldn't sober, have known that until, you know. 
I got. Sober. I have. <laughs> an, yeah, I have an uncle that's so an, a great uncle that's sober. I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea that he doesn't drink alcohol because, like, growing up, I I heard that he had a problem with cocaine. I had no idea that what sobriety was. Yeah. Um, I had like a friend that was sober but drank like a horse. You know, like he doesn't touch drugs. And in my head, I'm like, I mean, when I drink all bets are off. Like, how do you not touch drugs? Like just by accident? Like, how do you think properly to like not by accident swallow something or smoke something? Like, it doesn't make sense to me, but you know, like to each their own. Um, so I go, we go and I go on the airplane and I'm 21 and I'm like, they asked you if you want to drink. And I was like, okay, I'll take, you know, wine. And they're like, okay, it's going to be like $8, whatever. And I was like, can I have money? to the lady and she's like I can't pay for it I'm like what do you mean I'm like 21 what are you talking about like I, I'm 21 like I could and they're like no I can't do it I'm like are you kidding me like I had no idea who this girl is and my my neighbor um like my seat neighbor was like you could have mine you could have, and I was like I ran to the back and I didn't drink that day I like to have I did not touch anything that whole week not intentionally it was just like I was I just I guess that's what happened but um I, I went to the bathroom and I started crying and I get off the plane and I apologize to the girl for being such a bitch. I was like, I'm sorry, you know, it's not your fault, whatever. And then she just leaves me at the airport. And I was like, wow, that's, what a bitch. Like, I just apologized to you. And I get picked up by this older man in a minivan. And he's like, it's going to be an hour drive. And I was like, all right, now all my traumas are coming up. And I'm just like, I was sent on an airplane for five hours with someone I didn't know. Now she left me. Now I'm with this older guy in a minivan driving at night an hour away. Like, am I going to, am I getting kidnapped? Like my phone's almost dead. I have no money, no ID. Like what? I had no idea anyone knew where I was. And I get to, you know, the rehab and it was a hospital part where you have to go through it. So I'm like having a panic attack that I got sent to Tucson, Arizona to go to another psych ward because it's super traumatic. And, you know, I called everyone I knew and I was like, please just wire me some money, whatever, what ended up happening was, you know, it took me like five hours to finally get in. Like the police came, they took me to a motel. I finally surrendered, like all this stuff. And I finally surrendered and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to fight. I don't want to, you know, I just want to like, I just want to go to sleep. I want to forget this. I want to go to sleep and I go to rehab and I, you know, I meet these two girls and I'm like, wow, that's that's so interesting. Like we're so similar or like we're the same age or we went to the same college or we were from like similar towns. And I was just like, this is so interesting. Like you also deal with this stuff. Like you also, you know, drank because of this, you took pills. Like we're, I've never met anyone so similar to me. And, you know, I, I, I went to rehab for like 45 days. I like, you know, we talked about my traumas. We talked about, you know, my using my this and that and we're in groups and, um, you know, like I, I, I fully like surrendered. I was like, wow, you know, I, I'm unmanageable. My life is unmanageable when I drink. Um, you know, I can't make good decisions. Um, I, it's the reasonings why I drink the reason behind it. Um, uh, the way I feel about myself, it's the thinking that I have, it's the way, you know, my brain works. It's just not like everyone else. And I'm allergic to alcohol, you know, I'm allergic to alcohol and drugs and yeah. I just can't do it. And, you know, 
for me, like a big part of it was, you know, the community part and just finally feeling like I fit in and finally feeling that, you know, it's okay to talk about your feelings or to feel sad or to have these, you know, moments of, you know, um, like depression or sadness and other people have it too. Like you're not Being alone. vulnerable is okay. Yes. Because my parents could never be vulnerable. Yeah. And like, I, in my whole life, I thought, you know, my mom went through like such a traumatic divorce and I would think it would really like change her way of thinking or it would make her less, you know, judgmental on her kids or less harsh on them. Or, you know, for her, it's always about like getting married super young or, you know, being, being this person that society wants you to be, or, um, you know, that's what makes you happy. And I just thought that can't, my mom can't be that person. She went through such a traumatic thing that, um, you know, she must've like, she could understand where I'm coming from. And she just never got it. And I never got the, I never got the approval, the acceptance or the approval or the validation or just like, or just anything from like the people that I really needed it. And I always had trust issues because how could I trust other people if I can't trust my family? And, um, I finally found a place where I felt safe and those were the rooms of AA and that was the program and the people in it. And I felt like, I could tell you anything and you're not going to judge me, but you're also not going to, you're not going to let me go. Like you're going to look out for me and you're going to make sure I'm okay. And you're going to, if I don't come back for a few days, you're going to be, yeah. And you're also going to be, you're going to be worried about me and you're going to, you're going to want to see me. You're not going to be like, Oh, you know, uh, forget about her. You're going to be like, I wonder what happened, you know? And I needed that. I needed that. um, I need someone to be there for me the way I, I never had that. And I just, I found that in the rooms and um, I, I don't do it perfectly by any means. There are, you know, weeks and months and that I go without speaking to anyone or go without going to a meeting. And I really do feel it. And I wonder why I feel a certain way. And I realize, oh, it's because I haven't reached out or haven't gone to a meeting. Um, and you really do. And, and I always feel like if I ever did go out, you know, it, it wouldn't even last that long because I have such a head full of AA and it would, you know, that guilt would kill me. Um, I and, did and go a lot out. of it, you want, I did go out. Yeah. I did drink in sobriety. Like since I got sober, since we met, I drank yeah. for nine months off and on, not even during COVID. Yeah. Um, on my 13th month anniversary actually is when I got a six wow. pack of twisted tea and it was kind of out of spite. Um, kind of see if I could do it. Um, what was I saying? Uh, yeah, so I drank. Um, they wouldn't give me a chip because I use cannabis. I went to high sobriety in Culver City. Like when I got sober, I was using cannabis in my recovery just, you know, during the day with the drops or at night with edibles. <clears throat> I don't even right. smoke even I, I've smoked, but I rarely smoke. Um, I haven't smoked in two months just because I just rather microdose with edibles. Um, but it right. helps me get through the day with you know, pain, anxiety, it works for everything. That's the beautiful thing is no matter what's going on, it's going to work for that ailment. It's like 300 things. So I learned yeah. how to be sober by going with doctors to learn how to use cannabis responsibly. Like, right. you, you know, I don't smoke to the point where I'm passed out because I'm so high. I yeah, only, yeah. you know, I use it enough to be like, okay, there it is. That's what I need it. 
<clears throat> then I move on. So they were they and I'm a talkative guy. Like when we, you know, like early in sobriety, yeah. you couldn't shut me up at meetings. <laughs> I was going to talk at every meeting and tell yeah. my how I felt. So and I was very honest and I am a very honest person about my recovery. So they started calling me out because it's a conservative area. Like, hey, you're kind of promoting it almost like you're you're saying how good it is for you. And I we don't want like people to take that and try to do that, too. So can yeah. you like not talk about it or like not even come. But if you're going to talk, just don't mention that. I'm like, well, right. I, it's really hard for me. Like and then but I was like, OK. And I was off and on for a couple months going because I was just like, whatever, F them. Like, and then my year came up. I celebrated my one year in L.A. Like, I flew out there because I wanted to celebrate it there. Um, Jules gave me my one-year chip, and it's, like, the only chip I still carry with me. Because um, she, like, drew all over it and everything because it's her. Yeah. Um, there's, like, a 666 on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I went to my, my home group, and they're like, yeah, we're not going to give you a chip. Because wow. you use cannabis and we know that yeah. and we're not going to consider you sober. Like, we don't want to give you a chip. We don't even want you coming. So I left and I didn't. Yeah. And a month later, I was like, you know what? Let's see. And I drank here and there for like nine months until February 29th. I woke up with my first hangover and I woke up and I was like, hey, I'm going to quit drinking today if you want to quit drinking with me. But like, I'm done for good again. Because I don't want to have hangovers. This is my first time having a hangover. I'm not doing it again. And plus 229 is an amazing sober date. Because you can only have a birthday every four years. It's a leap day. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then COVID hit two weeks later. Two weeks later was COVID lockdown. So I was like, strap in, baby. (laughs) You know, we're in it. So, and her, her, her dad is like 30 years sober. So like she's been and he's very active in the program. He's an old timer that goes to every single meeting, no matter what. He doesn't miss a beat. You know what I mean? Like he's so she was kind of like on the fence about it because her entire life it's been in her face. Right. And then I was missing meetings like I missed that community, but I didn't. I, I couldn't go back to it because like L.A., even my sponsor knew that I used it. Like my sponsor is like, as long as you use it responsibly, I'm cool with it. So my sponsor took me through the steps knowingly. So when I got back here, I was like shocked. So, but I missed that still. And that's when like, we came up with this to just like, we have, we we call mental health check-ins in the morning at night. She runs a meditation meeting um, after the mental health check-in in the morning, she has a meditation. Um, And then we do a special different meeting every day at 630 where it's like, Cool. What's today? Wednesday's women empowerment. Tomorrow is LGBTQ, which we also have cool. a, a second room for youth LGBTQ to use. Oh, nice. That's like more private. Yeah. Um, right. And then like Fridays are people that are doing harm reduction um, in their recovery. Okay. So like yeah. tapering, that kind of stuff. When we talk about how mm-hmm. to do that and why. Um, Saturdays are trauma. Sundays are COVID anxiety. Like we still have wow. restaurants, you know. Um, oh wow yeah mondays are people who are abstinence basically aa without calling it aa and then tuesdays are people who are cannabis patients so we can talk about their medicine and how to properly use it how not to use too much how to like you know space out your dosages and that kind of thing wow that's like a lot of stuff going on (laughs) yeah it keeps us busy 
we we live yeah. around corners, so like it's a block and a half. Does it ever get too intense? We just opened last on the fourth, so we just opened on the fourth, wow. and it's yeah, yeah. There has been some like it's a lot of mental. It's <laughs> I said to her yesterday, like, where's all the addicts? Because there's been so much. It's a lot of more health. like mental health. Yeah. We've been doing a lot of mental health. There's a lot of people that need to talk to and they have yeah. problems and they come in every day. Sometimes twice a day. I see them at eight and nine o'clock or nine wow. and eight o'clock. And, you know, we're getting to know them really well. But like, yeah, I said to her yesterday, I'm like, where are all the addicts and alcoholics? I have like three oh so God. far. But one asked me to sponsor <laughs> him. One did ask me to sponsor him. He's oh, like, he's clean of meth. And he's using, he has a cannabis, he's a cannabis patient and he's like, AA won't like sponsor me. And I was like, listen, dude, like, you know, I'll take you through the steps, but it's going to be a lot different than what you would. He was like, I just, I want to be able to say I got through the steps and I learned about it because my family is all like about AA. So they just right. want to know that I'm learning the steps. I'm like, okay, I just wanted to be upfront with you that like, I'm not in the program. I have a big book. We can talk about stuff. Yeah. I do a fourth step every single day. Like whenever right. I catch a resentment, I'm doing a fourth step right over. There is not, e- I don't even wait. I do a fourth step as soon as I catch myself, you know, getting catching a resentment. I'll find that's my awesome. partner. I, yeah. Like, and I, I'm that's, so that's a hard time. A hard, yeah. It's hard for me sometimes. I don't write it. I don't write it out. I don't like get that technical with it. All I yeah. do is I get, I skip to finding my part. I, I right. skip how it affected me and all that. I want to find that's, my part in it because as soon as so I find hard, my part, yeah. I accept it a lot easier. Yeah. But are you then able to continue with like a conversation with someone um, if they did hurt you so much and you feel like you do have a part in it? Can you still, if they can't like see their part or they apologize, can you still continue? No. 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 So you I still hold like sort of. No, I'll, yeah. I'll, no, I'll just end it. If, if you're going to be toxic, in my life, yeah. then I don't need you in my life. It's that simple. Yeah, I, have that with my sister. I could be dead right yeah. now so many times over. We all could. So I'm okay. going to take advantage and have people in my life that want to be in my life and not give me shit and not make me feel bad for, you know, being who I am. So, you right. know, if someone's not going to respect, you know, an apology and they're just going to write it off as like, yep, you did all that and I had no part in it. And then it's never talked. It's like, no, we're going to talk about this. Like, I, I like right. talking things out. I enjoy... Me talking things out i need to talk things out and if you don't want to talk yeah. things out then you're not the kind of person that's going to be in my life because i need that with whoever i'm speaking with in my life right like i don't yell like, i don't ever yell like my step i have a stepson he's seven he knows i'm never going to yell at him that's not my thing but i'm going to talk to him like you know face to face and look him yeah. in the eye when we're having a conversation because that yeah. to me is more meaningful and impactful than when you're yelling all they hear is how loud you can get they don't hear words you're saying you know, yeah. so people that are no, yellers in sure. my life, I can't deal with that. I don't, I don't respond. I know. Yeah, to I have to, I have to take like a break from my sister a lot of the time because she has her own issues. She yells a lot and she really can't take like her, she can't take responsibility for anything. And I just, for me, it's like, I need to take a step back for my own, like my own self, my own sanity. And my mom finds that that I'm being like very judgmental or black and white or holding a grudge, but it's, you know, there's a big difference between like just taking a step back because you feel unsafe or you are afraid you're going to say something that you're going to regret or just, it's not going to, it's going to escalate into something else. 
So I, that's always like a, a really big thing for me also to try to explain to someone that it's like, it's not me being an asshole. It's me, you know, doing something good for myself. Yeah, my it's other solution selfish, used to be selfish. to drink about it. Like, yeah. these are new solutions that we've learned. And right. we didn't do this when we were drinking and using. Do you think we sat there and did all these processing? No, we drank, so we didn't have no. to process anything. And I probably wouldn't even be like, you know, if I was fighting with my sister, oh, let's both get high. Let's forget it. Let's both get high. But, you yeah. know, she'll get high and I'll, you know, address it and be like, no, I'm I'm like, I'm in it. And like, you hurt my feelings or this happened and we need to discuss it. And I just can't get high over it anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah, I totally agree. so I just take a step back. But, and, and, um, and you're one of three, just like I am. I'm the oldest and you're the middle. So I know that. Yeah, dynamic. but I also have, I have, um, yes, a lot that, of more, I have more siblings than I, mean, I have yeah. step, three half, like, I was gonna say it's I've seen like, like you roles. talk about younger ones, like younger, yeah. younger, like they want to have a bar mitzvah so different now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay. a few years ago. Yeah, um, but my know. my sister acts like she's still the youngest, or like acts like she's an only child, and like you have se- you're seven, you're one of seven, like you can't act like this anymore. You know, so it's just everyone's, you know, everyone has their thing. Everyone has their ism and. Like some people are aware of it and, you know, take care of it. Or, you know, I, I always get like told like I'm in therapy or, you know, what does your therapist say? And it's like, just because you're in therapy or you see a therapist doesn't mean that you're going to always take their suggestions and their advice and like use it in your everyday life. And how much are you really telling your therapist? How many people do we know that are like, yeah, but I don't talk to them about that. Or I don't know. I'm not going to mention that. It's like, no, exactly. They're the ones that you mention everything to. (laughs) Yeah. Or if you're seeing someone, you might have some like mental health issues and you could totally be exaggerating or lying or not being truthful. And like, that's how, you know, maybe a therapist or a psychiatrist could read between the lines, but they don't really know the other, you know, half of the the story they don't know the other people involved so how what are they supposed to believe yep exactly and they're going to give you suggestions based on what you tell them so if you're like missing information with your therapist Mm -hmm. then that means they're missing what to give you as a suggestion on how to move forward with this you're doing yourself a disservice more than anyone they're not going to say anything get over it if what's her name didn't rat out tony soprano no one's getting ratted out talk to your therapist (laughs) be real with them they want to help yeah. Like. Yeah. So I, what I take is I, you know, take a step back, I internalize it and I, I think about it and I need a few days to like figure out, you know, my solution. And that's not always the case with everyone. And it's not always how, you know, it's not how my, I got into it with my mom the other day and I just had to say to her, like, I'm not, I don't, you know, react the same way as you, or I don't, um, I don't just sweep things under the rug. I need to talk it out. I need closure. I can't just forget about things. You know, I'm present. And I like, I I feel like there's a difference between sad and mad. And I could be hurt and sad that someone did something to me and want to like take some time back, you know, time away. And, you know, and when I'm mad at someone, like, you know, it's like a different story. Um, But I don't usually get like mad anymore. I don't want to be in drama. I don't want to, I'm not out to hurt anyone, you know? And I feel like when you are out to hurt someone, it's because you're hurting and like, you need to get the help you need. And you know what? It's like, 
and it, I've seen it with myself and I see it with other people and, you know, it's, it's obvious and they have it in TV shows and whatever, but you can't get help unless you're willing to get help until you have your rock bottom, then no one could help you. You won't listen and no one, you know, you know, I always say that we all have the same rock bottom, no matter what anyone says, no matter what anyone says, but your rock bottom is the exact same as mine because everyone has low points in their addictions you know, al- you know, alcohol poisoning, hospital visits, arrested. Right. Well, everyone has their stories, but the real rock bottom is when you're like, all right, I'm done. What do I need to do now to get out of this? Well, yeah, that, that's when you surrender. That's when you're like, all yeah. right, tell me what to do, because obviously all the things I've been trying on my own are not working, you know, because yeah. I got sober 10 years after you at 31. So like I spent my 20s drowning in pills and alcohol and coke whatever i could put up my nose and whatever i could drink you know um and i'm and that's it's all solution based it's all like dealing with issues and problems because i was functional the entire time i had jobs the entire time i was working i made my own money most of the time i lived on my own you know so uh, some of the times i was in my parents basement but (laughs) a lot of the times i was on my own and I could do it. Yeah. So it was just a functioning addict. So I still had everyday problems, but my solution every day was to go buy drugs and go yeah. get high about it. So like my main problem every day became, all right, I'm awake. My stomach hurts. I'm withdrawn. I don't have any money. How am I going to get money? Who has pills? When am I going to get them? How am I going to get them? Mm-hmm. Who owes me a favor? Who can spot me money? Who can spot me pills? Yeah. Because I was a manipulative person. I manipulated all my, even my dealers. I became best friends with every single dealer I had. And it was right. only because I knew that if we were close as friends and talked about sports and movies and well, yeah, you would feel bad for me when I'm, yeah. you would feel bad for me when I'm withdrawn. You're going to want to help me out. Totally. You know, so I got spotted all the time and I always would just. Yeah, keep them close. And I was at one point in my last two years of addiction that I was driving from Lancaster County to South Jersey three or four times a week to pick up bulk and then come back wow. again. Um, it I had to, your life. I mean, it does. Like I would get done yeah. work at one o'clock and then drive two hours in Philly traffic to go buy drugs just to turn around and come back again. Yeah. For it's, six it's, months. And that, and that could be unmanageable. Like that's that's crazy. That's insanity. Yeah. You know. For six months, I made sure that I was going to a Flyers game each time so that I had an excuse oh, so had something to tell to my do. family yeah. that I was going to Philly to go to a Flyers game. And then for the last year in addiction, my excuse was I'm doing stand up. Yeah. So you you were lying. Also, you were being secretive. You were lying. Like it's all turning all off the, the location on my phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like going like yeah. under those settings and like but not like sketchy, un- yeah but not like doing it to the point where I knew if I would have went into our chat like our family chat and hit stop sharing they would have all got an alert saying JD stop you don't want to be yeah so I would go into the notifications and backdoor it this way if they were to right. look for me it would just say not available right now and then I would just always blame my phone and be like oh reception sucks here. you were being like smart about it you were like overthinking it oh, so you all was... the things that like an addict yeah I was playing chess with my addiction, like exactly. thinking as much as I could. And I knew I was an addict, though. That was the difference between you and I probably, though, is I knew within two months of my 10-year addiction that I'm addicted. I knew. Yeah, like, I mean, I wonder if I even did have those, like, you know, those moments of, like, I can't stop. 
you know, know what? I it was it was my it was because of I split between pills and heroin. I never touched heroin, and that was my thing that kept me that's doing pills. That's a lot, yeah. I was like, well, you I'm in control of this. If I do heroin, I'll lose control, and then I'll yeah. really, really be an addict. Right now, I have yeah. a job. Everything's good. No one's saying anything to me, you know? So, yeah. like, that was, like, what kept me going, actually, was that I was pills and not heroin because I almost did it once because, because people I- also make jokes about it, too, and, like, make it so um, – make it as if like pills are so okay like people take yeah. pills all the time like i'm on you know xanax or like i have anxiety i'm it you know yep. um i have to have a, i have to be on adderall because i can't pay attention i have add yeah. like it's just all these like excuses and things to make you to normalize it yeah the only um, pill i need now is my <laughs> blood pressure medicine because nothing will help <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> But and That's I forget so to take the irony though is that I forget to take it sometimes. I'm like, oh, I didn't take it. Man, if that was a perk, I would definitely remember to take that shit. Right. I'm on antidepressants <laughs> and sometimes I forget. And then the withdrawals from that sometimes are horrible. And I'm like, oh shit. When I, I need to be on. I need some. It was Xanax that I yeah. was withdrawing from, and it was Oxy 30s that I was withdrawing from in rehab. So and like and they're similar. Over. They're probably not as intense, but it's a similar withdrawal. It's like you're you have the flu. It's yeah. like it's horrible. And that's after doing them for ten years. Like like I was yeah. doing like eight to ten thirties a day at one point. Like no, 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 no. like they're lucky you're alive. Oh, like, I know that. I'm a big guy, so like my body I think just like absorbed it easier than like some of my smaller I know probably about a dozen yeah. people, maybe even more that have died since I graduated high school in 05. Out of hundred and eighty five really like you were there's yeah. probably like twenty that out of hundred and eighty five that I graduate that are gone already. Wow. Most, most. You were the from, chosen one. You were just lucky. Oh, I, I know that I'm lucky. And there's still ones out there that are lucky that they're still going, you know, and they right. won't answer my calls or my texts um, because they know when I call them and text them now, it is not to hang out, it is to help them out. Yeah. So it is. They'll come it around is. to it if they do, you know. But only if they want to. And, and the way you said about like wanting to is a huge thing. Like we won't even sign court cards here because I don't want people here that don't want to be here. I yeah. know if you have a court card, you're there because you need to be there. I don't want you sitting in yeah. a meeting when you don't want to be there. Come because you want to be here, not because you need to be. That was a big difference. Okay. I remember 30 days yeah. sober and my friend relapsed and I met her in re- rehab and then she relapsed. She was the first person I saw a relapse in rehab. And um, she was like, I can't do this. I don't know what the hell's going on. I just, I need to do it. I need to do it. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's you're do, you're saying you need to do it for your mom. Like that's your problem. Like I'm not right. doing this for my mom. I'm doing this for me. I'm here because I want to do this. The only reason yeah. I'm still sober and I'm so happy is because I want to be here. I want to be sober. Yeah, I want to live this way. I want to learn all this stuff. I want to absorb as much information as I can. And because she you were was sick just and tired of feeling sick and tired. You were you were tired of feeling sad and bad about yourself, and yep. you wanted a change. Not because your mom forced you to like grow up, you know. No, it it was they, they were kind of shocked, and they knew that I had problems off oh. and on for a long time. Like right. I've been caught with pills, I've gotten arrested. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like I've gotten in trouble, and um, but yeah, they were still like, oh, what are you going to rehab for weed? Like you're always going to Jersey to buy weed. I'm like, I'm never buying weed in Jersey. I'm always going there for pills. Like that's what I'm always yeah. buying. I'm always doing stand up and buying pills. Like yeah. that's. Probably better um, off with that in. I actually had a showcase. This I'm gonna end it soon. Um, but I didn't figure you appreciate. I had a showcase 
I so what happened for me, like my bottom was April 20th, 420. I was watching a documentary, Legend of 420 on Netflix. It's not on there anymore. And a segment was on high sobriety, this rehab in yeah. L.A. that taught you how to use weed as a medicine. I'm like, you know, I'd do that. And the next day was one of those days of waiting in a McDonald's parking lot for eight hours for my dealer never to show up and then get beat for money. Wow. And then I finally yeah. pay somebody to find them for me. And I'm like driving back. I do two right away because I'm witcher on so bad. And I have one pill left. <clears throat> and I'm on the PA turnpike with my dog in the back seat because she had been with me the entire time. So she's in the back seat and we're driving back. And I'm like, what? I, I can't do this anymore. Like, and there's been so many times that I've said that. And I've actually almost taken my car off the road, you know, because of it. But it was always my yeah. dog that kept me alive because I never wanted to hurt her or have her by herself in the house without me. So that always kept me going. And this time yeah. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And this time I picked up my phone and I Googled high sobriety. And eight o'clock at night on a Saturday at five o'clock there, this dude answered. Talked me for two hours. Wow. Wow. Um, he was like, yeah, call me tomorrow. I'll get you a plane ticket. So we got a plane ticket for that Wednesday, the 25th, but Monday, the 23rd, I had a showcase in Philly for new comics and the winner oh, was God. going to get a big write up and Philly inquire and all this stuff. And I didn't show, I was going to go, I was in town ready to go. And I said, if, and I, I don't think I was going to win, but still I right. know myself. And I said, JD, if you win, you are not going to go to rehab. Yeah. And I didn't go like, I said, fuck it. I can't like, I can't, I don't trust myself. Get me on this plane. Give me enough pills to get me, keep me not hurting until I get there. And yeah. my, I got help with that luckily. And my dealer, I said, Hey man, I owed him $1,800. My dealer wow. that I became good friends with. And yeah. I said, Hey, um, I got to go to rehab. Um, I don't know when I'll be able to finish paying you back. He's like, dude, if I hear that you're using again at the rehab, you owe me the money. If you stay sober, you oh, don't wow. owe me the money. That's so, awesome. yeah, I haven't, you know, had to pay him back. <laughs> Luckily, yeah, I paid that other people back like in sobriety, but not driving force. Yeah. yeah, but that was like my like. All right, I want to change every. I'm just so exhausted. I'm so done with this. It's been a long ten years of using. Because ten years of drinking yeah. was fun for me, unfortunately. I went to the alcohol. I went to the hospital once, but I drank for fun in high school. Like I drank to forget, but I drank for fun. Right. But when it it, I like twenty one was a whirlwind. I went really hard at twenty one, at the bars five nights a week. So I turned twenty two, and it wasn't the working for me. And I got pills because Percocet tens were popular then, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. <laughs> You know, when I turned 21, yeah. 2022, in 2008, that's when pills were getting popular. Sure. So yeah. I started buying Perk 10s. Next thing you know, Oxy 30, so I can sniff them. And then oh, once I God. sniffed something, I got addicted to the ritual of sniffing and just yeah. breaking up. And when that, you get addicted it's to easier, that as much as high, yeah. the heroin addicts, they tell you they get addicted to shooting, you know, doing the whole ritual of the needle. And pill addicts will tell you they love to break them up with their dollar. They always kept the same dollar until that thing went away into pieces oh because God. you love that dollar so much. That was like your road dog was that one yeah, dollar yeah. you never spent. The same cut straw all the time until it was like tattered to pieces. You had to yeah. get a new one. So, wow. but yeah, it was, I'm so glad to live that way anymore. It was so no, exhausting. Such a relief. I, yeah. 
I sat in parking lots for, I actually had to leave LA because I had nothing to do when I, my one year. I left four days early because I was bored, so bored. I was <laughs> sitting in a parking lot of Sprouts and I was like, I'm having a panic attack because it was reminded me of not, of waiting in a parking lot. And it made Keep me. Waiting for your dealer, yeah. And I went right to LAX and I got on the next flight I could out of there back to Philly. Wow. I didn't say anything yeah, to anybody. Yeah, you gotta do Yeah. I was like, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." Gotta do what you gotta do. Yep. Yeah. And you know, they understood the I people. Totally, that, I yeah. hear that. I am so glad we got to catch up like this because, like, I know, like I said, I always, 